Happy Father's Day. Could we just welcome all of our dads here today? Pastor, why do you show something like that in the middle of church? Because it's the most that some of you have laughed all week long. And if you're like me, you needed something like that just to kind of break the monotony, amen, of the way things are and the way things have been maybe this week and just needed to get a little bit of a laugh. But we wanted to say again, thank you for uh, being here today. Happy Father's Day to you. I know that uh, a lot of you may be called different things. Maybe your family calls you different things. Maybe some of you dad or daddy or pop or whatever it is. We just want to honor you. And thank you for being here, being here in service with us today. I know that we've got some that are out, they're on trips and vacation, and we understand all of that, but I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for uh, all that you do. Dads, we love you. We actually believe that you are the most vital part of the church. You say, what do you mean the most vital part of the church? I thought moms were. Well, we love moms, but we really believe that when dad goes to church, everybody goes to church. If mom goes, some of them will go, but if dad goes, everybody goes. That's the way that it seems to work, and so we're really glad to have you here today. What a huge blessing you've been uh, to me this weekend, and we thank you for that and the surprise uh, that uh, that was pulled off yesterday, uh, supposed to be under the cover of a meeting uh, that we came to and ended up being uh, a bunch of people, uh, weird to me, sitting in the dark in the dining hall, uh, uh, but uh, anyway, I think Mary confessed that was her idea this morning. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much. I told him yesterday, and I'm going to try my best to get through this message without being too emotional. I'm one of those that I guess just is probably somewhat emotional. My dad would have been so excited that he always thought it was cool when my birthday fell on Father's Day. And for to, to turn 50 on Father's Day uh, would, would be something that it would have been very unique for him. So I'm preaching today, and I'm using his Bible, one of the greatest possessions he had uh, in 1986 when he was pastoring uh, probably one of his first churches. He was uh, had this Bible. He was a he was a Dakes Bible man. He loved Dakes, and he used to say, um, "I can't." He'd say, "Son, I don't." Uh, he said, "I can't say that I agree." Not he wasn't talking about the Bible, but the notes in the Bible. He said, "But I tell you what, I would hate to know that I had to argue to the point with that man." So he knew his place, and he understood that. And so it is a huge blessing. And here's what I want to do today. It's a little bit different because it is Dad's Day. We're going to roll it back just a step or two. And I want to share with you, we have been on a journey for the past now. We'll be here four weeks uh, talking about the vision, the mission of the church. And we've talked about that, the, you know, this is all about uh, what God is wanting to do in our lives because he, he has something special for us, each one of us. And we talked about in the first week, anybody remember, know God. Before you can do anything on a journey, we want you to know God. We want you to come into a relationship to know Him, to find out about Him. And that's what we want you to do. We want you to know God. And then we believe that the second in this journey is anybody remember, find freedom. If you've been noticing, they've been kind of changing out on the uh, wall over the kiosk each week, and uh, that's important because each one of those represent the week that we've been talking about. So know God, then find freedom. Find freedom is what we believe uh, works best in a small group setting. It can't always be found in a setting in a church service like this on a, you know, for an hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning. It's best done, walked out in our small groups when somebody joins arm in arm with you. And then last week on our third week, anybody remember? 
discover your purpose. And we talked about that, what your purpose was, that everybody is born with something special inside of them. And that is, I believe, something that God puts on the inside of you. It is a grace gift. It is a desire. It is a design to do something more than just be born and die. There's something more to it. Every person here has something in your life that, that makes you tick, something you like to do, something you want to do. And, and I believe that's a desire. A lot of those desires are given to us by the Lord. It's, a, it's, a, it's something very special. So today, what I want to do, I'm going to deviate somewhat, and I'm going to call this Dads Make a Difference because our fourth principle is make a difference. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover what your purpose is in the church or in the world, and then we want you to make a difference. That's what we want for, for you to do. And I really believe that dads make a difference. I really believe that dads make a difference. We value you, and I believe that uh, there are principles, these principles that I'm going to share with you today or that I'm going to give to you today, that God has put something good in those principles. Pastor Ted was using some, he was talking this morning, and there was a word that kept coming to my mind as he was talking, and that word is principle. There is a principle when you give in your tithe and offering. There is a principle that God has put before us there. So God puts something good on the inside of you. That's a principle. I, it doesn't matter where you are in your walk with God, where you are in your steps with God, and even if you don't even believe there is a God or you're not sure there that, that God exists, can I tell you that God still puts something on the inside of you? That there's something on the inside of you, a desire on the inside of you, and one of those things is relationships. It is to know people. It is relational. It's to have, to know people in the Bible. When you read the Bible, when you read through the Bible, you're going to find out that there's a lot talked about, about blessings. He said to, to, to speak blessings and not cursing, life and not death, all of those different things. Well, in our lifetime, we create community, which is what we're doing here, and we create a um, relationships with other people. One of the main relationships that I believe that we have is with our dad. It's with our father. And I'm going to speak to you a little bit about that and how it's important that everything that your relationships that you have is a, there is a transfer in a lot of those relationships into our life. But God gives us something that needed to be transferred in a spiritual sense to us that I believe comes a lot especially from our parents. And I'm thankful that when God chose that somehow there would be this transfer into our life, He knew there would be both good and bad. He took a chance, that, the, and I'm saying a chance, but He knew that the good would outweigh the bad or that somehow that would happen. In other words, when He was going to allow that to happen in our life, that there would be good things you would get from your family and there would also be bad things that could come in your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We sometimes don't like to think about them, but we do. I'm thankful mostly for the good things that was poured into my life. I'm thankful for a, a lot of people, but a handful of people that really stand out to me that share in my story. And I'm going to do this. It will be different today. It will be different from the way we preached last week. So just hang with me as we do this this morning. I want to share with you about three people today, and then I'm going to give you something you can go home with. That shaped my life. They made my story become what it is today. I believe that's important. 
Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because it actually not only shaped me, but it shaped the DNA of this church. If you look at what, when I share with you what they did or the values that they put in my life, you can see that those values also end up in to the church. They made the difference. They helped shape those values, and those values have been passed along from my life and have made a difference in the lives of other people. Amen. That's what you want. Pastor Ted, thank you for uh, coming up and him, uh, he, you know, presenting that to us, the card, and telling me happy birthday. And he kept saying I was special. He kept saying I was special. I was special, and I, I'd heard that before. I knew that I'd heard that before. And when I hugged him, I told him I knew that I was because I had rode one of those buses that they told me that I was special all the time. There's nothing wrong with that, amen? I think we're all special, amen? Amen. So I was teasing with him a little bit. I'm, and what he was saying was simply this. You have spoke something you have given something to me that's of value. You've brought something that is of worth. Can I tell you, there's not one person setting this building that I know of that in some way, some form, some fashion, you haven't touched my life in a very special way. I, I, and I mean that with all of my heart. Many of you, you know, not just telling me happy Father's Day, not just telling me happy birthday, but your life, just your life, just you being who you are, who God created you. And the truth of it is God created us all as individuals, and he created us in such a great way that we are created on purpose for a purpose to make a difference in the people's lives around us. So let me read some scriptures so you don't think that we're not going to preach something this morning. It's out of the message translation. The message is more of a... The Message Bible is more of a, what would you call it? It's more of a paraphrase than it is a translation. But I like what this says, and I wanted to read it to you from that at Psalms 145, verse 4, and it'll be up on the screen there. It says this, Generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Look at this. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. You know, I thought about that, and I thought about the Scriptures that's, this is what it's saying to us. From one generation to the next generation, we tell the stories of things in, that have went past along. There's somebody probably in your life that you can think about that probably could tell stories. There were people in my life that I love to sit and listen to that could tell the greatest stories. My granny Minnie would tell stories. She told stories about different things. She was my grandmother's mother who was alive when Beth and I was married. She could tell stories way up in her age that really intrigued me. It really pulled me in. It really drew me in. My dad could tell stories. Uh, he would tell stories to me about different things. And I didn't realize until I was pastoring my first church and one of my children said to me, Dad, I love when you tell stories. And he said, when you do that, it helps me to understand. So I realized that storytelling was something that's very important. It connects us from one generation to the next generation. I want us to pray real one more time, and then we're going to get into this. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would help us as we, Lord, as we come together, and Lord, as we share the word. Father, on this Father's Day, Lord, I know that today, God, some came with maybe certain expectations, maybe something, God, they were wanting to get from this. I just pray that you'll help me for the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes, Lord, to be able to share something of value, Lord, that would help them to understand 
why, Lord, we are in going the direction we're going because, God, you put inside of us things that are spiritual, a spiritual DNA that actually leads us, Lord, in the direction that we're going. I pray, Lord, that every ear would hear it, Father, they would receive it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. I believe that for most young men, specifically, that as an early age, we start picking up role models. We start thinking about guys. We start thinking about what we want to do, who we want to be. And you, If I would go over into children's church, and especially those kids, and I would start pulling them in one at a time, and I would say to them, what do you want, who do you want to be like when you grow up? They would tell you a lot of different things. You might ask them, what do you want to be? And they might tell you a fireman. They might want to tell you all of those different things. And some of them might say, I want to be just like my dad. Well, when I was younger, when I was young, really young, I really wanted to be just like my dad. When I began to grow up, I began to be my, my person as an individual person, but I still wanted to be like my dad. I love my dad. He was my role model. On December the 10th, 2014, I lost my dad. He went on to be with the Lord into heaven, and many of you have heard my story about that. And so it, it did something on the inside of me. Now, here's something I want you to understand and I'm trying to get through these, but I want to I want to honor these people today that really made the difference in my life. He was a role model to me. He gave his heart to the Lord in 1979 in a church, and I'm going to share with you a little bit about that. But when he passed away, my commitment to the Lord changed. I really made a fresh commitment to God. I really decided that I would something had to, I I needed to step up, and my journey changed. My commitment to the Lord changed. My commitment to my family changed. My commitment to ministry changed. Not that it had ever been bad. It's just that I began to relook at things. I began to refocus and say, God, what is it that you're wanting to do in me? What is it that I can get from this that really became hard? Now, they're going to put up some pictures this morning. I hope we can. That's not him. That's him uh, there on the screen. And that's the last wedding that he did uh, right before he passed away in 2014. And uh, I got an opportunity to be with him and some of my favorite pictures that I saw. When Dad gave his heart to Christ, he did something. He changed. His life changed. He really made a difference. He began to share his love for Jesus Christ with the world, his world. I'm going to share with you just from my heart a little bit about how he did that. Uh, we went to a little church in Russellville, Tennessee. Uh, it was They called it the Junkyard Church. It literally had junkyard cars all around it because there was a junkyard that surrounded it on the property. There was a woman who owned all of that property, and those cars that were there, I mean, it was there was a junkyard around it. Dad gave his heart to the Lord. There was a man that went there, and Dad led this man to the Lord. And as he led him to the Lord, they tried to figure out what it was, what their purpose was. They were trying to figure out what they needed to do. So they started witnessing. They started going out and witnessing. Daddy had an old green Buick. I don't remember how old it was, but it was one of those old, just green Buicks, all I know to tell you. And they would drive down the streets of Russellville and Whitesburg or anywhere they could, and they would pick up, and one of the stories that was told at my dad's funeral was him and this friend of his who's now a pastor and his son is a pastor who got saved at the same time. They picked up a man who was drunk on the side of the street and the man thought that dad was going to bring him in and they were going to give him something to drink or some money to get something to drink and they didn't. They drove around with him 
trying to get him sobered up and telling him about Jesus. They got him in the car and basically was keeping him in the car. That was something that he did. And I'm telling you that because dad wanted to make a difference. He wanted to change. He wasn't, at the time, did not know that he was called to preach or didn't realize that I don't uh, at the time. So he was one of the greatest examples of a man that I know that would put God first in his life. He loved his family. He loved his family. One of the values that I'm going to share with you quickly that Dad put into me, one of the great values that he did, was the value, listen to this, of family. Now, family can mean a lot of things, but family to him was when we came together. I I drove in many times from Mississippi there. He never thought that I ought to come home that there should not be some type of family coming together. That meant my sisters, that meant their children, that meant everybody that could, we all came together. A value of family. A lot of times we don't. We take those, those uh, values for granted, but it was very important to me. I feel that way today. I feel that way about my family. It was an honor. It is an honor for me to have my children at my house to be around me, to be there. Even if they're in their own conversations and laughing, it's just an honor. That is a part. Dad thought that family was all about big meals at Christmas, big meals at Thanksgiving. The year that he passed away or the year that he was uh, in 2014, I believe it was I had been up with him in October, uh, at the end of October, and I sat down with him and we were talking and we spent the week together. And he said something about he wanted to come to Mississippi for Thanksgiving. Well, Dad was very sick, and he had been too sick. He'd just gotten out of the hospital on Tuesday. This would have been like on a Friday. And my mom, and she's probably watching today, hey, Mom, that's just what we people do on TV. I don't know why it is. We don't ever say, hey, Dad, but say, Mom. Uh, she uh, said, Dad, you can't do that. You can't drive. He wasn't, Matter of fact, he wasn't even supposed to be driving, and he was. The doctors had been told him to stop driving. But Daddy just didn't want that part taken away, so he kept driving. But he said, she said, he said, you can't do that. And it was kind of one of those things, you know, I was sitting there listening, wondering what was about to happen next because Daddy was kind of, you know, he was wanting to come see his family. He wanted to come to Mississippi, not to leave his family there, but he wanted to be with us here. And Mom said, I, and then Daddy kind of got silly, and he said, well, I'll go get in that van and do a donut right out of here and go. I mean, that's kind of how he thought. So for my best interest, I thought, you know, I need to come home, get with my adult children, and we need to gather up as much as we can and go and spend that time with Dad. And we did. We were able to do that. One of the last things we were able to do. Let me just say this to you. One of those great values that he put into me was family. That's why I believe that your family to me and these small group families, they mean a lot to me because it's important. It's something that you can't always get in a church service on Sunday morning. Hearing somebody really preach, it's something that you get when you come to somebody's house and you join together. So my dad, I appreciate him and I love him. The next person that I want to honor today is somebody that's very close to my heart too, and that's Bethany's daddy. Uh, The kids call my dad uh, Pappy. They call Mr. Russell Papa, and uh, he is uh, Bethany's uh, he is uh, Bethany's dad, and I honor him because when I met him well over 30 years ago in college, and I wanted to date his daughter, and actually was seeing his daughter, he treated me like a son. He never treated me any other way. He treated me with value, and as a young man, Mr. Russell knew the 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 value of hard work. 
he grew up during a, a very difficult time, a very hard time when there wasn't a lot of things. He grew up in the era, and some of you are going to identify with this, where you're, they don't throw away anything. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It, he, and I would say to him, Mr. Russell, don't we need to try to clean up and put away some of this stuff? But he didn't, he didn't have a lot when he was growing up, and he just believed that if you got rid of it, you're going to need that. You're going to need that later. And he would not throw it away. He would not get rid of it. And so, and, and, and you know, I'm not, that's just part of it. He was raised by his grandparents. He, uh, he didn't really, I don't think, ever knew his parents. They taught him the value of hard work around the home place, around that little area and that farm there in, uh, in Alabama. In high school, he worked for a radio and TV shop when they put the, had the tubes uh, that went in the, there, and he did not do it with a car. He rode a bicycle from wherever he had to with, a, with this kit in his bicycle, and he would go and change out these tubes and make the radios come, and he would tell me that when uh, make the radios work that they would call the shop and say, send that kid over here that, that knows how to fix these things. And so that's what he done. That was part of his life. Why are you telling us all of this, Pastor? Because I believe that this man right here put something in my life. He, he gave me something of value. He, he, he understood something of value. When I went to work, he gave me my first job out of college. I was a young man. Been, knew nothing about the electrical work, electrical contractor, or anything like that. And he gave me my first job. I remember him giving me my first conduit bending lessons and, and teaching me a lot of the things that he did. You say, Pastor, that's not that very that's not that important, is it really? Is it really that important? Well, I remind some of you about 18 and a half years ago when we first came and started building this building out here, and you were looking for somebody that could could do what they were doing to try to get that wire. When we remodeled this facility in here and all of that stuff that needed to be done, the value that he put in me, one, was that he did love his family very much and still does, but that he worked hard. He loved his family and that he worked hard. He valued hard work. I believe more than anything else in my life that he loved his family and that made a difference but he instilled inside of me the value of hard work. I believe that we need that. I just had somebody tell me the other day, Pastor, what's wrong with the kids today? What's wrong with the kids today? What's wrong with the kids today? And I'll tell you part of it, part of it is they're not getting transferred the value of understanding what it is to earn a dollar, what it is to under, under, uh, to earn uh, money. They're, it's being given to them, and they need to learn that. Amen. They need to learn that. They need to learn the value of that. You say, Pastor, that seems like a hard thing. Why don't we just give it to them? Because I'm going to tell you, I've had men who are close to me that have lots more money than I've ever had tell me that one of the worst things they ever did was give to their kids everything. They regret it. They wish that they had never done that. So giving them the value. When I say hard work, I'm not talking about slave driving them. I'm talking about they need to know it's okay to pick up in the yard. It's okay to rake leaves. It's okay to make their bed. It's okay to load a dishwasher. If you had a dishwasher, we did not have a dishwasher growing up. We were the dishwashers. We did keep, you know, our rooms clean. And, I, you know, my kids would say, oh, I know where Dad gets his neat and tidy and want to keep things clean and in order, you know, where it came from. Well, you know what? 
I'm not saying that I'm saying that I'm not good with the disorder thing. I got to have some kind of order. And so it's not bad values. It's good values that we transfer. Pastor, a lot of this is it really any just hang with me just a few minutes. One more, and I started, I couldn't, wasn't sure if I was going to get the picture of this, but I honor uh, Mr. Russell today. He's still living, but this is my pastor from when I was 10 years old when I first gave my heart to Jesus. He was, he was my pastor at the time. Mr. Russell is now, uh, he's, he turns 80 this year, having his daddy. But uh, Brother George, Pastor George C. Davis. Brother George Davis uh, was my pastor. And uh, he lived to the ripe old age of 86 year old, 86 years old. He was a 20th century Apostle Paul, literally, literally. He built churches, and I can take you to a church in Russellville, Tennessee, that literally, and they will verify it. People on there's people on Facebook that verify. It. He built that church and funded it from they did from selling peanut brittle that they made. He not only built churches like that, but he built them by the fact that he he would go to a church that had, they were, he didn't, you know, in our system, what a lot of times they want to do is, if you do well at a church, kind of like at your job, if you do well at the church, and you build the church and the church grows after a certain amount of time, they want to move, they'd like to move you to another church. It's kind of like, it's kind of like stepping you up. Brother George Davis was a Church of God man, and he never did, that I know of, never did that. Do you know what I knew that he always did? He always went to churches that were struggling and hurting, and when they would put him in there, he would build that church up, and he would raise that church up, and he would fill that church up. He gave me some of my first opportunities to preach, but Brother Davis was a great man. He was a great man of God. He planted churches in Nebraska, Louisiana, Tennessee. He did this for over 63 years. The last time I saw him was about somewhere around 2009. He passed in 2011. He was about 84 years old. I had not seen him in years because he still went and did. He still was planting churches and loving people. I'm going to share with you his value, one of his values. But one of the things I remembered about him, my dad didn't tell me, but my dad had asked me to come and preach on a Wednesday night that I was going to be there and in the church where my dad was pastoring and I did. Brother Davis came. He came. I hadn't seen him in years. He reached and he put my hand on my face and put his hand on my face. He pulled me to him and he kissed me on both cheeks. And he said, Tony, you and your dad were seeds that I planted. And he said, you're going to do things that I could not do. Now, I'm going to tell you, this man had just come from a, he called it a trailer park. You know what I'm talking about. It was where mostly there was trailers in that neighborhood. He went to visit somebody that day. He stayed all day long, and they he told, I don't even remember, they won several people, led people to the Lord that day. Plus, he had mowed his grass. When he was up in his 60s, uh, well up into his 60s, he could outrun kids barefooted with no shoes on and us with shoes on. But these things that I'm telling you about, they're important to me, but he, he would visit neighborhoods, he would spend all days, he would share with them about Jesus. But here's what he taught me. Here's the value. Pastor Davis taught me the value of people. 
He taught me, Pastor Ted, to take people at face value. That when he looked at them, he put a 10 on them. He, he didn't look at them differently. It didn't matter. As a matter of fact, in his the write-up of where he passed away, it basically said he was a pastor to the poor, to the rich, and everybody. He, he loved people. He loved Jesus, and he loved people. Do you know what he did? He was all about people. My dad, when my dad found out a few years, uh, uh, just, just shortly before my dad really found out that he was sick, and it wasn't good, some of the things he was going through. I, I'm going to be very honest with you. Uh, Brother Davis was the kind of man that he came to where my dad was at. I don't remember if it was at the house uh, where we lived or, or at the parsonage, but he came to my dad's house. He's up in his age now. Dad was, had told him about, or he told, Dad had told him about what happened. He came there, got on his knees in front of my dad, laid his head in his lap and cried. <laughs> he didn't have to. He didn't have to. He did that because he valued people. He put a 10 on them. And he believed that he was a pastor. He, he, this man, when I say he was an apostle of the 21st century, he didn't go with the name of apostle uh, of just to have the name. He literally was one tell you something else. I don't know that the man ever had an office, Brother Davis. Matter of fact, if you really wanted to have a meeting with Brother Davis, you better grab a paintbrush or a, a nail uh, and a hammer or a weed eater because he was probably working somewhere at the church and he did that up in his age. Let me, let me just tell you, Brother Davis put in me the value of people and he taught me, one of the great things that he taught me was about how to love people and to take them at face value. Now, let me move. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. There are so many more people that I can mention, but these are the three I want to mention this morning to you. I want to honor them. My dad, Tony Winter Sr., Bethany's father, Russell Johnson, and Brother George Davis. They're just such great people. They're great men. They put inside of me these values. I'm telling you this because I want you to understand relationally, there are people in your life that God has set up this transfer. There is a transfer you. My dad was my biological dad. Mr. Russell is my father-in-law by marriage. Brother Davis was a spiritual father to me, and in that way, all three of those men transferred things to me and in my life that I needed, and I would need in life. I would need through life. And you are here this morning, and somebody is saying, Well, Pastor, I did not have the luxury of having those people like that or a best dad in my life because of circumstances. And this kind of seems a little bit unfair, you sharing all of this today. And when I didn't have that good of stuff going on, my dad wasn't that great of a dad. I want to tell you something, that Paul literally addressed this in the church. He addressed it in the church of Corinth, which he was an apostle of. And one of the churches that he was addressing was having a lot of issues. And I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 4, 14-16 from the New International Version. And here's what Paul says. Paul says this, he said, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as dear children, even though you've had 10,000 guardians in Christ. One translation says, you've had a bunch of instructors. You've had a lot of people that teach you. Look at this. You have you do not have many fathers in Christ Jesus. Look at this. I became your father through the gospel. 
Look at what he says. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. You know what Paul was saying? Paul was telling the church, you know what? I understand the issue. I understand what's going on. You've had a lot of instructors, but you haven't had a, a, a lot of fathers. Can I just share with you today a little bit of a thought on this, a little bit of a, a, an idea of this? We're living in a society right now that's very socially so connected that they're disconnected. That's why you can see a family of five sitting around a table and they're sitting around a table at a restaurant, but they're not communicating with each other. They're on a phone. We're in a place, I'm not, I'm not preaching against cell phone, I just need you to understand, we're living in a place where we're so socially disconnected, look at this, so much so that our families, the only way they relate is to texting and to social media. I'm telling you this because I believe that God created for your growth to be through relationships from both fathers who are physical and spiritual that make a difference in the lives of their children. And nobody can replace the relationship of a father because that's the way that God designed it. As much as I love my mom, as much as you love your mom, as much as you love those people that are in your life, nobody can replace the life of that person who God put in you that is your, your father. And the enemy is at work all the time trying to disrupt, trying to keep us relationally disconnected. Amen. Amen. And this, the, the last verse in the Old Testament, just before Jesus comes, is Malachi 4 and 6. He's, he says this. He says, His preaching, he's talking about Elisha, will turn the hearts of the children to their father, or the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and I will strike the land with a curse. I've touched on this a little bit before, but let me just give this to you. What he's speaking about here is just before Jesus comes back to the earth, he's talking about the day before, not before, maybe before the rapture, the second coming of the Lord or near the end of days, that the spirit of Elijah would come and need to turn the hearts of the fathers toward the children and the children toward the fathers. Look at this, or else. He said, I will strike the land with a curse. And I thought about that many times. What is the curse? What is the curse? What is he talking about? What is the curse? What is it that he's talking about? And I'll really be honest with you. Here's what I believe in my life, what I believe in my heart. It is the undermining, it is the undermining of the family that leaves a fatherless generation. A fatherless generation. What are you saying that, Pastor? I could give you statistic after statistic after statistic to show you how that when children do not have the father in the home, the effects or the ill effects that it brings on them. Now, I'm not telling you again that you're doomed. I'm telling you there is something that we can do about this. That there's a spiritual component in America, and it's a redefining of what the family is. Why is that? Because it's the oldest institution established by God in the beginning, and Satan hates the family. He does not want the values to be passed along from fathers. He does not want the values to be passed along from a mother. He does not want the values to be passed along relationally to others. So, Pastor, what in the world are we to do? What are we going to do? There's three things I'm going to give you, and we're going to close quickly. I'm going to give these to you, three values that you can have. Number one, allow God to heal your wounds. I could have used the phrase here, and I've heard this phrase, that God needs to heal your father wounds, and that's true. I'm going to tell you, if you've been disappointed in your past, you've been scared by or hurt by a father, a coach, 
a member of your family, you need to allow God to heal the wounds in your heart. This won't happen overnight. It won't happen in the next day. It is a process. It takes time. But I believe that you need to allow God to do a work in your life. Why? Because if you don't choose to allow God to heal your wounds, you will block people out of your life that potentially have the best things in store for you that God wants for you relationally. The only way you can get it is by those relationships. But when you block them out, you say, well, I don't, I don't want anything. I have been around. I want you to listen real close. My family, I grew up with a family of huggers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't understand that, you know it's okay. But my family is huggers. A hugger is not something you put around a cold drink. It's what you do. You hug people. We're from the South. We, it's just kind of one of the things. My dad did that. My father-in-law does that. The, Brother Davis did that. Those people that I knew, they were huggers. And I am, I'm a hugging person. I didn't realize, you know, until I got older that, I, you know, you know, they would tell you in school, you need to be careful, you know, be careful hugging, you know, a, a woman, you know, make sure you give them the bro hug, you know, beside all you. If you're not, I posted something on Facebook the other day talking about, you know, uh, standing up and giving three, you know, talking to three people, you know, people bags on saying they'd refuse not to. There's some people that don't, they're not, touchy-touchy is not their thing. It's not their love language. I, I didn't know that. I thought everybody, loved, you know, they you just hug them. That's just what you do. You know what? It's okay you don't. But what I have found through the years of pastoring, there's some people don't want to be hugged because the person that hugged them that they trust hurt them. And here's the thing I want to give to you. Some of the people that we love the most have hurt us the worst. But I'm telling you, you need to let God heal some wounds. Listen to me, ladies. Not every man is out for you. Not every man wants to do harm to you. Not every person in your life that has hurt you in the past, vice versa, is out to do you wrong. If you block off and don't allow God to heal you relationally, you'll block off some of the best people in your life that can help you the most. Because you discount that everybody has some kind of agenda, and they really don't. So I need to tell you, allow God to heal your wounds. That's why there's more at RC. We want you to enjoy the coffee out front. We want you to enjoy all the time together and all that kind of stuff coming here on Sunday mornings. But I believe these small groups that are our refuge church small groups, our life groups, whatever you'd like to call them, house to house, look at this. Listen to me. Hear what I'm going to tell you. You don't need a church as much as you need a family. Say it again. You don't need a church as much as you need a family. And that's why we believe in family. Now, nobody go out of here and say, Pastor, don't believe in the family. You don't believe in the church. I'm just telling you that a lot of people are not looking for that. Well, Pastor, I don't understand then. We've seen this church grow. We've seen it to the the the, the, the pew or the chairs are packed out. Is that important that we grow as a church? Yes, we needed room to grow over a year ago to expand to what we're trying to do now. So why is that? I don't really want to be a part of a big church. I really don't think we need to do that. Listen to me. Heaven and hell are both real, and if they are, then we've got a choice to make. And I'd rather populate heaven. I'd rather It needs to be big. The church does need to grow. But smaller groups is where you can 
really become connected relationally in a way that may not happen this way. Are you with me? This next verse has power, and it tells you what we need to know. We, we believe it. It's part of our step two of finding freedom. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for each other so that you might be healed. Let me just say this. The only person who can forgive you of your sins is God. But can I tell you something? The people that a lot of times that need to help us through our healing is the people we need to talk to and share with. God can forgive you, but hear this. A lot of times you need to go to people for healing. Why is that, Pastor? Healing happens when you release the people who hurt you in the first place. And most of the time, we don't want to go to people because we're, they're the ones that hurt us. We don't really want to deal with them. And some of the people that, that have hurt you are not here anymore. And there are things that you can do, and we try to help you to get through that. So we believe in that. We believe that small groups are important. We believe that that's vital to your freedom. Closeness isn't just size. It is found in value. Small groups create family. Amen. You don't just need a church. You need a family. Number two, let me share this with you. What can we do? Be a father. Let me, let me give this to you. When I say be a father... That isn't just talking about the men. You heard me talk about the great men in my life, but you didn't have, maybe you didn't have a father growing up in your life. What, what's the solution? What's this, what do we do? Maybe you feel like nobody loves you. I've heard people say that. I don't feel like anybody loves me. Well, love somebody. Let me say it again. If you're here, this, not, this, this does not apply to men. This applies to everybody in this house. If you feel like nobody loves you, then you need to love somebody. You say, well, I didn't really have a good father figure. Well, you can do something about it. Don't just sit around regretting what you don't have. Be one. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, the principle here is a principle of fathering. It can be found in anyone. What do you mean? The principle of fathering is this, real quickly. It's when you take your life and you pour it into the life of someone else. It's when you work this principle that Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, when you do this, this is what happens. Hear this. The Bible says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. That's not the part I need you to get as much as people reap what they sow. That means the good things that you plant, you're going to get back good. The bad as well. We most of the time focus on the bad. But I believe that if you plant apple seeds in the ground, you're going to get apple trees. If you plant tomatoes in the ground, you're going to get tomatoes. What are you telling me? I'm telling you, go pour into the life of somebody who needs you in their life. We have a huge, huge deficit in our world right now where we're being asked, do you have anybody that can spend time with these young men who have never had a father in their life. Church, it's important. So, if you don't have it and you want it, then you ought to sow it into somebody else. Or if you've never had it in your life, you ought to sow it into somebody else. The best gift that you can give is sowing your life into the life of somebody else as an influence. Be a father to somebody. Some of the greatest men I know, there's more men that I have pastored, have never had children themselves. One comes off the top of my head, I'm not going to call that name, and most of you would not know them, but Bethany would know who they are. They, they, they were father-type figures to people. 
lastly, and I'm, I'm going to close with this. These are the, the, the three principles. The three principles were, first of all, allow God to heal your father wounds or allow your wounds to be healed. Number two, be a father. Thirdly, listen to this. You need to relate to God as father. We're, going, we're getting ready to close. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. I think that the biggest trick and the lie, one of the biggest tricks and the lies of, of the enemy right now is to try to drive a relational wedge between you and your father, listen to this, so that you will never relate to God as father. I'm, I'm going to close. I heard this here not long ago, and I believe it's true. You know, I hear guys that will never really, they, they talk about God. They talk about God as Lord. They talk about Him, and He is Lord. They talk about Him as King. But when it comes to the Father part of it, we don't. they don't get it. They don't really get it. Where He is our Father. Matter of fact, He is Abba Father. He is the greatest Father. And they had what it is, they had such a disconnect with their Father, whatever it may have been that might have happened in their life, that now they have trouble relating to God as Father. And He is Father. One of the greatest things you can have happen in your life is that you relate to God as Father. Whatever it is, wherever you are in your life right now, listen, God is not a leader of a religion. He's a Father. Matter of fact, Romans 8 and 16 from that message translation it says God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are we know who he is and we know who we are look at this father and children verse 16 it, it teaches us once we accept the truth about who God is and that he loves us and that we're children we understand that you know what there's more to this thing it's more than just him being Lord, it's more than just the fact that He's God. He's Father. He's Father. Why don't you stand with me today? Romans 8, 17, one more verse. And we know that we are going to get what's coming to us and it's, unbe it's an unbelievable inheritance. We're this is what we got promised. I just want to share with you this, and I appreciate every father that's here. I know for you guys that are here at church all the time, you say, Pastor's a little bit different today. Yeah, I know it was. I knew it was. My prayer for everyone here is this, that you know him, that you know God, that you allow God to, to confirm who he is to you. And you let God heal your past and discover there's something very special about you. And then take your life, make a difference in somebody else's life. Pour into somebody that needs to know that. Today, I'm talking to you. If you feel like you're a million miles away from God, here's the good news. 
Jesus came, he cared for your life, he cares for you, and what has separated you from your father, he has put back together. Jesus did it, not so that you and I could have some kind of club, not so that we could have something that's necessarily called a church, but so that we could be in a family. Pastor, how in the world can we do that? Well, the Bible says that we can get back to the Father only one way, and that's through Jesus. That's it. Very, this is very simple. Very simple. It's not hard, not nearly as hard as a lot of people have made it. It's very simple. The only way that we can get back to the Father is through Christ Jesus. Don't need to sign anything. Don't need to really you know, do anything else. There's, what, what, what do we do? What can I do? The Bible says confess it with your mouth. Confess Him with your mouth. And I think it's as simple as praying and receiving and believing in our heart that Jesus did what He said He would do for your life and for my life. He loves us that much. Well, I've been walking away. I, I've walked away from the Lord. I, I have walked with Him, but I, I'm not there anymore. I want to tell you today, it's as simple as praying. When I went to church, and I'm going to pray with you, when I would go to church when I was little, when I was just a boy, I remember them praying prayers, and I remember them, you know, not a lot of air conditioning and sweating, and a lot of things went on, you know, things that, you know, it took, they called it praying people through. You know, we need to have some times of, sometimes of praying people through. But let me tell you this real quick. Jesus has already done what needs to be done in order for your salvation. There's not one thing that you can do to deserve it. Not one thing. You say, well, you don't know how bad that I've been. Well, I want to tell you something. There's not one thing you can do more to make him love you any more than he already does. But if you feel a million miles away, you feel like that that connection's not there, and you want to know, you want him in your life. All you gotta do is pray. He'll receive you. He'll accept you. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front, not even gonna ask you to lift hands today. I'm gonna pray a prayer. Would you pray this prayer? I want to just I want to lead you with words or help you with a word. When I say confess him with your mouth, would you would you just pray this? Would you say, Jesus, I receive what you did for me to bring me close to the Father. Today, I surrender my life completely to you. Would you save me? Change me? Thank you, Lord for making me a child of God. I receive you into my life. I confess you that you are mine today. In faith, I accept this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look up at me. You know what? This church is all about next steps. If you've prayed that prayer, you believed it in your heart, you never prayed it before, or maybe you've come back to the Lord today, I'm telling you that God has a plan for your life. And I'm telling you, we want to see what God's going to do next for you, and I believe that He can. It's not as hard as we've made it. God loves us so much that He wants us to make heaven. More than we, a lot of times, I think the reality that we want to make heaven. 
He loves you that. 